Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. I have been working on a book about Jonah, and it was fascinating to me because that would not normally be the book of choice. Here, go and write about a disgruntled prophet who's super disobedient. Hooray! Um, But I couldn't get away from it. The Lord was very... It was like his hand was heavy on me, like, this is the thing you're going to work on. But it was also interesting. It's not one that I work on every day. It's kind of like my Sunday treat. Go and work on it on Sundays. So every Sunday, I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me this Sunday? And there was a Sunday where I was looking at the historical element. And I appreciated what my husband said, that in the same way that there used to be land animals that we don't see anymore. Who knows what was at the bottom of the ocean a couple millennia ago. It could be that there were species that are no longer down there and they would have decomposed and there's not much by way of deep sea archaeological digs at the bottom of the dark ocean or something. So I do appreciate that. But working with the animals that are still in existence The sperm whale has a large enough esophagus to be able to swallow a man. And I assume that Jonah died. I think that was not my childhood assumption. I always had kind of this very fanciful picture about how Jonah had been swallowed up and was somehow sharing the air of the whale for three days. Anyway, not very realistic. And when you look at the story of Jesus when he says that he's going to be like Jonah three days and three nights. The point was not that Jesus was somehow sustained alive in the grave. No, the point is that he too was dead and then was resurrected. So you think about drowned Jonah in the belly of the whale. The sperm whale has three stomachs. The four stomach is like a chicken's gizzard where chickens don't have teeth. They can't chew. And so they eat rocks and they go into this extra organ that humans don't have called a gizzard. And it is sort of like a rock tumbler chewing process where the things get kind of mashed together until they're somewhat digested and then they continue on into the stomach and so on. So there's this four stomach that the sperm whale has. Then there's the regular stomach, which is where the hydrochloric acid comes, which is what also humans have. And then there's a third stomach, the pyloric stomach, where the pyloric acid comes. And so I was thinking about this, like, wow, okay, so Jonah's not only drowned, but he's being crushed up in this rock tumbler pre-digestive cycle. How handy for him though that he got vomited out before he went into the hydrochloric acid because that would have been really rough. (laughs) I mentioned this at dinner. (laughs) My husband started laughing. He's like, oh yeah, it would be like the hydrochloric acid would just kill him. And then we all laughed because you know you have this person who's already dead. But then my husband said, but you know, maybe he actually did end up in that stomach. Maybe he was actually being burned by acid because he said, I've always wondered why did the Ninevites listen to the prophet? What made his story so compelling? And, you know, we live in an era where there's a lot of zombie movies and other amazing special effects that can make a person look pretty marred in appearance. But you imagine somebody who's been burned by acid 
or what would look like being burned by acid, walking through Nineveh, saying, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. If a zombie-like creature came and announced this, would that have a little bit more weight, a little bit more authority? It could be. But in any case, you know, I think there is a part where I think about Jonah and how there's a, there's a whole lot of backstory. I think Jonah is pretty misrepresented and I relate to him a lot more than I maybe would wish that I did. <laughs> but there's a part where I think it's comforting to think, oh, Jonah gets vomited back out on the shore he left and sure he died and was raised back to life again, but more or less he's fine. Just the same as he was before he set out. And instead, there is at least the possibility that he came back completely marred permanently, that his disobedience had an effect, and in fact, that his disobedience and his marking was what made him an effective communicator. Sort of like, if you had gone the first time, you might have died, but because you ran away, the Lord used even that in order to make the people of Nineveh repent so that they could become the agents of God's justice on Israel before they would be wiped out in a future generation. Oh, so Lord, this is hard. It's hard to think that there is permanent ramifications for sin. And it's, but it's also hard to think that as much as you offer second chances, that maybe we aren't coming to it from a place of freshness. Lord, I'm astonished as I think about this story. And how in its outline, it's so beautiful about you being gracious and compassionate and how you had compassion even on the Ninevites. It's like the best story ever for the Ninevites. But Lord, it's, it's a hard story for Jonah. <laughs> it's, it's hard, Lord. And so I ask that you would work in us, that we would be attentive to your voice, that we would be obedient to your call. Oh, Lord, I pray that for the places where we feel like it's our scars that you use, that it's the places where we've been marred that can become part of our message, part of our place of healing, and the, the place where we bring you into the world. Whew, Lord, you've been doing that a long time. So, Jesus, we ask for your healing in this place. We ask for your healing in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen.